Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to church this morning. Hey, my name is Adam. I'm the pastor here. If you've never been with us before, glad to have you in the house. Um, happy Pentecost Sunday. Uh, glad to see your faces this morning. And here's what we want to do this morning with respect to the message. Uh, I want to talk to you out of Romans chapter 8. So if you brought a Bible with you or if you have your phone, you can slide that app open and scroll to Romans chapter 8. I want to talk to you out of a few verses there, specifically just five verses, 8 uh, verse 22 through 27. And I'm calling this message in particular I'm calling it from here to there, from here to there, and hopefully that'll be clear here in just a moment. But the the main reason I want to call this message from here to there is because, oddly enough, this is another one of those passages in the Bible that's about a journey. Uh, One of the things that we end up talking about a lot here at the Vineyard is about how the spiritual life is ultimately a journey. Uh, And the reason that we know that it's some sort of a journey is because Over and over again in the Bible, um, there are just stories uh, on top of each other, story after story of people who are on a journey of some kind, like especially in the Old Testament. Literally, almost every story in the Old Testament is about somebody who's going from some place to some other place, like some named place to some other named place. And then by the time you get to the New Testament with Jesus, uh, all of his ministry, those three and a half years where he was doing the things that we know Jesus for... All of those three and a half years is Jesus just what? Walking around. Like literally he's just walking around and he invites the disciples to walk around with him. And so uh, sitting on top of Jesus's ministry is this this very subtle New Testament, but ultimately a biblical metaphor, which is journey. Like people are going someplace, which is to say like the spiritual life is, is really this idea that we're going somewhere. And whether you know it or not, everyone is in the process of becoming something. You know, and the older we get, the more of whatever it is uh, that it is we become. Uh, we're 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 being formed all the time, whether we know it or not. Maybe we're maybe we're doing things to become a particular kind of person, or maybe we're not, but we're still doing something to become a particular kind of person. And here, even in Romans chapter eight, even in in a letter that Paul wrote back to some some Christians, uh, you get this idea of journey again. And so as we read the passage this morning, I'd love it if you would just watch. And by watch, I mean, look at the screen and listen to my words and, wa- and listen, for, listen for this subtle, this subtle uh, idea of journey that, that Paul has even in this passage. So Rachel, if you can help me out here, this is what Paul says uh, to the believers. He says, we know this, for we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies that he's promised to us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. 
But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. You know what? That might be a good verse to underline in your Bible. Maybe you have a brand new Bible, or maybe you're a new believer and you've never underlined anything. You haven't become a super Christian yet. <laughs> let me just, let me suggest Romans chapter 8, verse 26. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. There we go. That's our passage this morning. I hope you noticed a little bit of journey in there, isn't there? From here to there. Um, before we get into the text, I want to talk to you about a few journeys maybe that I've taken in my own life. Um, well, one of the gifts that, that I've been given in my life is I've been allowed the opportunity to travel a lot. And, and one of the things I know is that not everybody uh, gets to travel and maybe not everybody gets to travel as, as much as I've gotten to travel, especially in the last 10 years. I just want to say, like, I am very aware of what a gift it is to get to go places and to see other things. And um, in the last 10 years, it seems like I've gotten to see the whole country uh, particularly here in America. And I've, honestly, I've been afforded the opportunity to see a good portion of the world. And I've been thinking about that this week just as I've been reading this particular passage because Paul says that it's not just that people are on a journey, but I hope you noticed in this passage that Paul says all of creation is on a journey, isn't it? All of creation is on a journey. And the journey that all of creation is on is from, is from, like, uh, is from the ruin and the sin and everything that has sort of like marred everything, not just human beings, but it's on a journey from uh, sin and ruin and everything that has marred all the way to glory. And that includes you and I, but it's all, literally the whole cosmos is on this journey. And that has me thinking about some of the, the trips that I've been able to take uh, in my life. Uh, one of the things I was thinking about when I was thinking about trips was I was thinking about the first time as a kid when I got to go to Florida. Anybody remember the first time you went to Florida as a kid? You know? And, you know, you'd never been to Florida. You'd never seen the beach. You'd only heard of the ocean. And somebody would tell you, like, like when you get to the ocean, it's, as, it's water as far as you can see. And as a kid, you're like, no way, you know? Because <laughs> your brain's only been formed by Green River Lake. And it's like, well, I can see the other side. I've even seen an idiot or two swim across there, you know? Um, but I remember the first time we were supposed to go to Florida, and um, it was one of these things where, you know, in classic kid fashion, you, you talk about the trip for months leading up to the trip, don't you? You're like, yes, we're going to Florida, and what are we going to do in Florida? Well, we're going to go to Disney, and we're going to go to the beach, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. And so there's all this anticipation, right? And then I remember specifically, we loaded everything up into the car, and we got into the car with my parents and a cousin, and we started driving to Florida, and I'm thinking, this is it. We're on our, like, we're going we're gonna, to, it, it'll be no time we'll be in Florida, right? And, and you know, the, the thing that every kid does is the very thing, very thing that my sister and I started to do. We started to say, hey, hey, when are we going to be there, Dad? You know? And I specifically remember this moment, uh, because if you're from Kentucky and you go to Florida, 
for the most part, you have to drive through Atlanta, especially for the part of Florida we were going through. And we get to Atlanta, and it seemed like we had been traveling, in my kid mind, it seemed like we'd been traveling for 187 years, you know? And we get to Atlanta, and it's a giant city, and traffic really did slow down to almost nothing because it's Atlanta. And, and I remember asking my dad, I said, hey, Dad, hey, uh, we're, we're getting close, aren't we? And I remember these horrible words from my dad. <laughs> we're not even halfway. And I'm thinking, What? What, what are you talking about? Not even halfway. I mean, what in the world? This is what I've, someone's lied to me, you know? We're never going to get there. I remember, I remember when, we were, when we were in Atlanta, it felt like we were a million miles from home, and yet we weren't even halfway. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. I'll tell you another little story. A few years ago, my oldest son and I, my oldest son River and I, uh, we went to England because I had been asked to come over and do some speaking stuff for the vineyard in England, uh, some of the vineyards in England. And um, as a part of that trip, we were going to fly to Manchester, England. And we wanted to go to Manchester because, uh, first anyway, because we had some friends there, but also because River and I wanted to go to the neighborhood where Oasis started. It was like School of Rock, okay, uh, which we did. But the weird ticket that we had, uh, because we wanted to go to Manchester, the weird ticket that we had required us first to go to Amsterdam and then fly back to Manchester. It's weird. It sometimes happens. But it was one of these deals where we flew out of Louisville, and then we flew to New York, and then we got on another plane, and then we flew from New York all night long, to Amsterdam, and by the time we got to Amsterdam, it had been like 187 years, you know? I mean, my face had aged. <laughs> I got off of that plane in Amsterdam, and I looked grizzled, you know? I was, and I felt grizzled, and, and I just remember how tired we were. We were so, so tired, and we're in the Amsterdam airport, which is very cool, and we were trying to get breakfast and, you know, wake up. And River looks at me and goes, Dad, we're still not even in England yet. You know? It's again, it's the same thing. If you've traveled at all, you know what I'm talking about. And then, and then I think it was uh, two years ago, uh, Heather and I were on our way to Spain for another, for another thing. And in order to get to Spain, we had to fly overnight. And we flew into Brussels before we went to Spain. And there was this particular moment in Brussels in the airport where they have this giant deck. I don't know how to describe it. It's like a deck. It's inside, but it's like this giant deck. And there's all these lounge chairs, almost like you would see at the beach. And it's just glass. And it sort of looks out on the tarmac in a very, I don't know, in a very European, beautiful sort of way. And we were so tired. And we, and we laid down on those, we laid down on those lounge chairs and we both started sleeping, right? I mean, because you're just so out of it. We're sleeping. And I remember we, we, we came within just moments of missing our flight to Spain <laughs> because we were sleeping on these, on these lounge chairs in, in Brussels. And the reason we were sleeping is because, like, are we ever going to get there? Like, your body just shuts down. I mean, if you've ever traveled, like, for, you know, 36 hours straight, you're, it doesn't matter how excited you are for the destination, right? Like, the journey eventually gets you, doesn't it? 
It eventually gets here. How many of you have ever, like, especially if you've gone to Europe or something, ever got to the place that you were going and you're like, oh, great, I'm in Italy, but literally I feel like a trash boat and even the powers of Italy cannot wake me up right now. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's some of what Paul's talking about this morning. He says that all of creation is on a journey and the journey is a long one, apparently. And, and one of the things that I've been thinking about this week uh, in terms of the journey that all of creation is on is this. I've been thinking, uh, maybe we're not even to Atlanta yet. You know, uh, we've, been, we've been waiting for 2,000 years since Jesus was crucified, was buried, was resurrected, and was ascended. A few weeks ago, we had Ascension Day. Maybe that showed up on your calendar. Probably didn't, but maybe it did. But it's been 2,000 years since Jesus ascended, and some of us are like, oh, yes, he's definitely coming back soon, you know? Uh, especially if you watch certain cable news shows, you're definitely certain Jesus is coming back soon. But here's another idea. What if we've only just begun to wait, you know? And what if, what if God really has promised to renew all things? What if the cosmos really is in his hand and he really is going to renew all things? But what if, what if on this journey to the renewal of all things, what if we're not even to Atlanta yet? It's worth thinking. Um, here's, here's another thought. On this journey to the renewal of all things, uh, we, we, we might be sleeping in the Brussels airport right now. Maybe, maybe that's where we're at. Now, here, here's one of the things I know about this journey. It requires stamina. Uh, no one sprints to glory. No one sprints. Like I know, I know in track and field, a few people sprint to glory, but in the kingdom of heaven, no one sprints to glory. It's the reason why when you read the gospels, you never see Jesus running. Jesus never runs in the gospels. No one sprints to glory. It's also why, it's also why in this passage, everyone is groaning. Rachel, can you help me just for a moment? Did you notice that? Did you notice that when we were reading this passage from Romans 8? By the way, the whole chapter, Romans 8, you want to just be encouraged, just read Romans 8. It's just like, it's one of the peaks in the Bible. But did you notice in these five verses that we read this morning, everyone's groaning? Let's look at this. If you're taking notes or if you are writing things down or if you have a photographic memory, do this. This is how you take photos with your memory. <laughs> That's how you do it. Uh, verse 22, notice that creation groans. Look, for we know that all creation has been groaning. Verse 22. Let's look at verse 23, Rachel. Help me out. Look, and we believers also what? Okay, you're like, okay, I get it. Creation groans and believer groans. But then, but then look a little further down. Look at verse 26. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what to pray, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with what? Even the Holy Spirit groans. Isn't that wild? Creation groans, we groan, and the Holy Spirit groans. Um, it's a strange word, by the way. How many of you have ever heard a groan? Like a real one. Where do you hear real groans? Anybody want to offer? We can do. We can do. We can do participation. Marcus, you laughed. In the birthing room. In the birthing room. 
in the birthing room. I think that's like number one with the bullet. I mean, Paul even mentions it, doesn't he? Creation is groaning like what? Like childbirth. Okay, so look, my, my wife and I, we have four kids. I've been in the room four times when the baby goes from inside to outside. And most, most of what you hear are groanings without words. Anybody who's been in the room knows what I'm talking about. Four times. There's a language there. When, when people give birth, there's a language there, and it's not exactly articulate English. There's a language there. Um, here's another time when you hear someone groan. Sometimes, sometimes you'll hear a groan when an athlete is lifting weights. Anybody ever, anybody ever been in the gym when somebody's like really going for it? You know, you get the deadlift and you get it. Like, how many of you know that the, like, like when you're going to hear the groan is not like you're going to hear it when it's right here, right? <laughs> Do you see that guy a few weeks ago? He deadlifted over a thousand pounds. That is not a joke. <laughs> Literally not a joke. A human being deadlifted a thousand pounds. This is correct. Am I right, Chad? 100%. 100%. I'm asking Chad because he's our professional in the house. Yeah. So you'll hear groans when, when a lady gives birth. You'll hear groans when an athlete is trying to maybe exceed themselves in the gym. Seen that a time or two. Um, here's, a, here's another time when I've heard a groan or two. And this is super random. It's very specific to our own family, but it's fun. Not, well, not fun, maybe it's not the right word. Okay, so my kids and I, well, actually, my whole family, my wife and I as well, we all like to ride mountain bikes. And one of the things that we like to do in addition to riding mountain bikes is we like to watch mountain bike YouTube. How many of you know that everything is on YouTube? It, literally everything. Like whatever you're into, there is, there is a person on YouTube who is filming it, you know? And we like to watch different people on uh, YouTube, like, show us the trails and, and show us how you ride. It's very, it's very weird, and I'm not expecting you to go check it out. But if you do, I'm telling you there's a whole world, okay? But our, one of our favorite riders is this guy named Jeff Kendallweed. Actually, I would encourage you, go watch Jeff Kendallweed. This guy rides with such style, and he's, and he's not really young, and that encourages me. <laughs> He's not really, I've been, I've been looking for older examples of inspiration. <laughs> As my beard gets gray, I look for someone a little older who can like do it. Anyway, Jeff Kendallweed is probably not quite as old as me, but I still receive a lot of encouragement from him. And the guy just kills. I mean, he just kills. I mean, you cannot believe how this guy can ride. He's one of these guys who can hit a jump and jump the bike. And he doesn't just land the bike, but he'll land the bike in a manual. Do you know what that is? Like when you're on your rear wheel and you just, you keep rolling. Like he can jump and land on the, it's, it's beyond sick, okay? And he lives in Washington, uh, like in the Squamish area. And this has been a few months ago, but we were watching one of his videos with the kids. And, and Jeff Kindleweed, he's in the woods and he absolutely sends this, this jump in the woods and he sends it blind, right? He just sends this thing. And right there on camera, when he lands, I guess he hits a wet root. And he goes down and he pops his head. I mean, and, and he shows it on the video. 
and he rolls a couple times, and then after he sits up, he's making this sound, which is something like that, and I think it's a Romans 8 groan. (laughs) It's a Romans 8 groan. I was just trying to think of times I'd heard groans. That was one of them. And, And one of the things that all of these examples have in common besides a certain kind of pain and discomfort, okay? Besides a certain kind of pain and discomfort, the thing that all of these moments have in common, and I actually think this is the most important thing, is that all of these moments are are snapshots of being in between. Childbirth, lifting weights, Jeff Kendall Weed popping his head. They're not just moments of pain and discomfort, but they're snapshots of being in between, uh, a woman groans as the baby is transitioning from inside to outside. And I just want to say I'm so proud of myself for refining that description to that. <laughs> but a woman groans as the baby's transitioning from inside to outside. An athlete groans as they're lifting weight from one place to another. It's like there's no groaning at the bottom. There's really no groaning at the top. It's, it's like right here. It's the in-between. And, and our poor YouTuber, uh, Jeff, he was, he was groaning as he fought to get a breath and keep his consciousness. In-between. One of the things I've noticed in my life is that the in-between can be really uncomfortable. Isn't that true? Isn't it true? The in-between, it can test us, it can test us past the point of articulation. How many of you have ever been in an in-between moment? It's like, I know I'm not where I was, and I know I'm not where I'm going. I'm not even entirely sure of where I'm going. And you get in that middle place, and you're like, I don't have, I'm in some new place, but I don't have words for it. Anybody ever had that experience? Like, I don't know how to describe what it is that I'm experiencing or where I'm at. Uh, It can reduce us, the in-between can reduce us to our most basic elements if we're honest. honest. Uh, One of the things I've, I've come to believe is, is that the in-between is the hardest part. Away from where we once were, but not exactly where we're going. Sometimes on the journey, we're not even sure where we're headed. This morning, if you're not sure where you're headed, you're in good company. You're in great company. Abraham was called to leave the land of his father. God said, hey, I want you to go to a new place. And if you read Genesis chapter 12, one of the things you'll notice is God never tells him exactly where he's going. You know, time to leave. Where are we going? You'll just have to go where I tell you. Well, where is that? Just leave, you know. And then in the Gospels, we see this over and over again. Jesus comes to Matthew at his tax collecting booth and says, follow me. He never tells him where he's going. James and Peter and John Our lovely fishermen, they get out of the boats, they leave their nets, they leave their father. Jesus never tells them where they're going. They just follow him. And even now, we know from the scriptures that we're headed away from death and decay and ruin, and we're headed into the renewal of all things. We're headed to new bodies. Paul even says new bodies that he's promised us. Anybody want to cash in on that one? Anybody got an ACL? You'd like to have a new one? Um, Paul says that we're, we're headed towards being released from sin and suffering. 
But how many of us in the room even know what that means? Like, how many of you know that, that we've, been, we've been so immersed inside of a world that has been touched by sin, suffering, and ruin, that to be released from it, we don't even really know what it means? It would be like talking to a fish and say, hey, one day you'll breathe air instead of water. And the fish would be like, I have no concept of what you're even talking about, right? If I'm honest, I look forward to it, but I'm not exactly sure what it means. Uh, One of the things I've also learned in life is this. I've learned that getting a promise is incredible. Um, I've learned that getting a prophetic word is a great thing. Haven't you? Like, to get a prophetic word is such a great thing. Um, getting, Getting a prophetic word is, oh, it's such an encouragement. Getting a promise is such an encouragement. But, but here's the other thing I've also noticed. I've noticed that sometimes living with a promise is tough. And I've noticed that sometimes living with a prophecy is a really hard thing, uh, stretched out between the now and the not yet. I've noticed that sometimes living in the not yet with the promise of the now, uh, living in the in-between where... Things aren't exactly worked out, but you've been promised or you've been given some taste of the future. I've noticed that that is a great thing, but it's not an easy thing. It's especially hard sometimes to be a Christian who's had a taste of the future. Anybody in the room ever had a taste of the future? And by the future, I mean like the capital E eschatological day of the Lord future. Anybody ever had a taste of the future. I've had a taste of the future. Lots of people in this room and lots of people at this church have had a taste of the future. In fact, that's what it means to be a Christian. It means to live in the not yet with a taste of the already. It means to live with the future in us, even though we may not be experiencing it all the way. Look at verse 23. Rachel, can you help me? Look at what Paul says. Even though We have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. Here's the truth. Everybody who's a believer has tasted the future at some measure. Everybody has been pulled into the future. I just want to tell you for a moment here. I've experienced future glory. I've experienced future glory not only a few times, but many, many times, many times here. Um, I'll just tell you a few things. Uh, number one, I've spoken in tongues, you know, and you think, well, that's strange. Uh, it's, it's a sign of the future. It is a sign of the day when God will receive all nations to himself. Revelation chapter four, if we could frame it that way. Uh, I have received prophetic words. I have given prophetic words. I've seen the sick healed like in this room. Like legit sick people, not well, no medical intervention, no placebo effect, just like some kids praying. Like one of my favorite ones, and I love to tell this story because it's just so hilarious, but one of my favorite ones ever happened right here on this front row. There was a guy who was a construction worker, and on a Wednesday, he was not feeling well. He went to the hospital right here in Taylor County, and they did an MRI, and he had a walnut-sized tumor in his brain. And he came to church on Sunday morning, convinced that he was going to die. And by the look on his face, I was pretty convinced that he was going to die as well. 
you know, like his story and his body didn't give me any faith that anything good was going to happen. And the only thing I knew to do was to pray for him. And I grabbed some 10 year old kids. There was like a little group of 10 year old kids, about eight to 10 year old boys. And we just grabbed, we just gathered up around Michael and we prayed for him. He got as hot as a, as a firecracker. He, his face turned as, his face turned as red as your shirt. And, and, Afterwards, he went back on Monday and got another MRI, and there was no tumor. Like, that happened right here. I've been here. I've seen it with my own hands, and I didn't really even do the praying. It was like the 10-year-old boys, and their prayers were kind of something like this. "Uh, God, would you heal Michael? And it was literally like like that, and then just awkward silence, right? Because 10-year-old kids, they don't know how to make prayers sound good and make the person who's getting prayer feel comfortable. (laughs) They don't know. It was just like one little awkward thing after another. And he got healed like right here. It was, it was amazing. I've seen it. Um, I also, I've remembered this this week. I, I remember the prophetic word that John Mark McMillan gave us right here. Do you guys remember that? John Mark came here and in classic John Mark fashion, John Mark told us that when he had woken up, that he had felt like that he had gotten a word from the Lord, that the worship at this church was like, uh, was like a glass of wine poured out up front and that the carpet was permanently stained, and that for forever, uh, God would remember that this would be a place where He was adored. It was like it was like it was stained to Him. Our affection for Him was—I'll I'll never forget that. Right? I've I've seen the future. Um, I've I've seen. I've been in this room when the whole place erupts in shouting and dancing. And let me tell you, and I I there was one moment here. Men, it was a few years ago. It was one of the toughest moments ever at this church. But one of the craziest moments of shouting dancing I've ever seen at this church was when uh, a young man who was very, very important to this church hung himself. And after his funeral, we had, we had a worship moment. And it wasn't really even connected to that moment. But, but a, a, a wave of the Holy Spirit hit this room that is one of the more remarkable things that I've ever seen in my life. In a, in a moment of real catharsis. I don't even know the word for it. And it wasn't, it wasn't denial. It wasn't, it wasn't, I don't know how to describe it. It wasn't, it wasn't avoiding. It wasn't any of those things. It was like, it was, it was people who were deeply hurt. All the things, right? You spend a week walking people through this process of like brutal, brutal, just brutal is the only word, right? And and I remember in this room, uh, the party that broke out was utterly, it was crazy. And and by crazy, I mean the best kind of crazy. It was um, it was amazing. Like in the moment of some of the deepest sadness. The Spirit comes to bring us comfort and joy, right? It was as though it was as though God was saying, "Like this really isn't the end. There's another thing behind the thing," and somehow we 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 like fell through the back of the wardrobe into it. And I I will never forget. I have seen it with my own eyes, and I've experienced it. Um, I also want to tell you this. I've also lived with unanswered prayers. You know, I've seen people get healed. I've seen us just explode with the joy of 
knowing God. And then I've also lived with unanswered prayers. I've also seen, I've also seen uh, maybe more recently, I've seen people outgrow Jesus. Or at least they think they've outgrown Jesus, right? You know, I've seen people, I've seen people move on. I've received a few in the last two years, I've received a few I'm moving on emails. And it's not even so much like I'm moving on from you, Adam, but I'm moving on from Jesus, you know? I've received those. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Heather and I got word that a woman who came to our last Songs and Stories weekend, you guys, you guys remember when we used to do that? <laughs> hey, yeah, listen, I'm thinking November. Come on. I'm th- I don't know. That's not an official announcement, but I'm thinking November, right? I think we'll be back. Anyway, but, but Heather and I got word a few weeks ago that a woman who was at our last Songs and Stories weekend, she came, I don't know if you guys remember her, she was not from here, she came, uh, she had cancer, and, and she, she wanted to just be with believers and be in the presence of the Lord, right? Um, we prayed for her, it was really wonderful, and we, we just got word a few weeks ago that, that she passed away, you know? Um, yeah, what do you do with all that? What do you do when you've had a taste of the future and you live in the present? You know, what do you, what do, you do when you've seen some people healed and some people not? What do you, what do, you do when, you've, when you've literally had a little, a little morsel from the wedding supper of the lamb and yet here we are? What do you do? Well, sometimes all you can do is groan. Here's the truth, church. Sometimes there's just no words. Sometimes it's just sounds. And sometimes there's nothing harder than having... Los Angeles in your heart when you're driving across the flat nothingness of eastern Colorado. Can I tell you that? Anybody ever been to eastern Colorado? Everybody's like, Colorado's beautiful. Wait, you haven't seen the whole state, my dudes. Have you been to Kansas? Have you been to eastern Colorado? Yeah, sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes it's really hard to have southern California in your heart when you're in eastern Colorado. But here's the good news. Rachel, verse 26, the good news is this, we have a helper. We have a helper. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, not in our strength, but in our weakness. Praise the Lord, we have a helper, we have a guide, we have a helper precisely in our weakest moments. And aren't you glad when you're at the bottom of the barrel that God will not forsake you? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that when you're the most tired, when you're the most worn down, when your strength is gone, aren't you glad that we have the Spirit and that the Spirit comes to help us? The Spirit comes to help us. A couple of things here. I just want to make a couple notes here. Number one, uh, I think it's interesting that Paul says the Spirit helps us and then he says he helps us pray. Rachel, we can leave that up. Isn't that weird? Like the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. And then when, when Paul goes into, for example, territory, he goes right into, for example, we don't know what God wants us to pray, but the Holy Spirit helps us. And I just find this interesting. I, I find this interesting because, well, normally when we don't know what else to do, what do we do? We do pray, right? We do pray. Uh, we pray. Uh, and normally we pray when we need help. But Paul says, when you don't know what to do, the Holy Spirit will help you. And by the way, he helps you pray. And one of the things I've been wondering this week is this. What if Paul is getting at something even more here? 
what if it's not just that the Holy Spirit helps us pray, but what if, what if the Holy Spirit is helping us when we're so lost we don't know what to pray? You know? The Spirit will pray for you. He'll help. Here's another question this morning. Uh, what, if, what, if he'll, what if he'll help me when I'm fixated on the wrong thing? You know? What if I'm praying something, but it's not really the thing? And by the way, how many of you have ever noticed that oftentimes when you begin to pray, it's usually not the thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anybody in here ever been to therapy? You don't have to put your hand up. <laughs> you can. I'll put my hand up. Anybody ever been to therapy? Hey, yeah. What does every therapist always say? Whatever you come in to talk about, it ain't the thing. Like we all, yeah, we'll go in, we'll talk about the thing. We think, oh, this is the thing. I want to talk about the thing that's like on my life. And then the thing that you discover after three or four months of therapy is, is the thing that you took is not the thing. There's always another thing, right? There's something underneath that's growing it. And I just sort of love this. Like, what if I'm fixated on the wrong thing? Well, here's the good news this morning. The Spirit, the Spirit knows what to pray and the Father listens. Paul seems, Paul seems to be hinting that we mostly don't know what to pray. Here's a wild thought. Here's part of what I think Paul is saying. We mostly don't know what to pray. And here's the good news. If you're on the journey to glory, if you're on the long journey of being released from ruin and into renewal, if you've lost all your strength, if you had a taste of something, but nothing current, if your legs of faith are weary, if you don't know what to pray, and if you're the sort of person who maybe was praying, but you've mostly been praying for the wrong stuff, uh, even if you don't know it, even if you're so lost, you don't even know you're praying for the wrong stuff, the good news this morning is that we have a helper. We have a helper. And it's the precious Holy Spirit. Second thing I want to say about this little moment here is that he's a spirit that groans, just like creation and just like us. And if the spirit is groaning, here's what that means. It means that we have a God who knows what it is to live in the in-between. Like if even the spirit groans, we have a God who knows what it is to live in the in-between, right? We have a God who knows the discomfort of living between the times. We have a God who doesn't know just because he's the smartest guy in the universe, but we have a God who enters into the in-between and he knows by experience the travail that happens when you're between two moments. And one thing I can't help but notice in this passage is that by the time the spirit is groaning, we are not groaning. I hope you notice that in the passage. Like creation groans, and then Paul says we groan, but by the time the spirit is groaning, uh, there's this sense in which we're, we're, we're not even groaning. Uh, perhaps we're not groaning because the strength of, to groan is gone. Well, here's the good news, church. Uh, even, even when your strength, even when your strength to groan is gone, even when you're just done, when you're absolutely toast and you have nothing else to give, the good news is you have a helper who will help you in your weakness. You have a helper who will even groan for you. You have a helper. The Spirit is not ashamed of weakness. God is not ashamed of weakness.
Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.